You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far. Wait, wait, we're doing a, a Star Trek episode instead? Wait, I thought it was in the contract that we were only allowed to do Marvel and Star Wars. Oh, wait, crap. Yeah, I got to finish the, the intro. All right, folks, set your phasers to stun because you heard it right. We are, in fact, finally talking about Star Trek. Thanks for joining us here at Systematic Geekology. We are, in fact, your priest to the geeks. I am one of your hosts. I am Joe. And recently, I have been catching up on a blind spot in my tokusatsu experience and knowledge base. And that's Kamen Rider. Man, Kamen Rider is a trip. That's a conversation in and of itself, but I've kind of been getting acclimated to the world of Common Rider, and like five people just lost their mind. Everybody else is like, what's that? For you 90s kids, Mast Rider, that was there for about a hiccup, was based on one of the Common Rider series. <laughs> nice. Hey guys, I am Joshua Knoll. I am a fourth year biblical study student or something like that, um, and Recently, I've been getting really into the new Paramount Plus series, Star Trek Strange New World. You know, I just fitting of the things I'm getting into to mention that one. And when I say getting into it, there's only four episodes. And yet somehow I've watched at least eight of those episodes. I just watch them each at least twice. They're just I'm enjoying it just for the I don't want to say simplicity of it. It feels a lot more like original Star Trek but with new technology to make the show so that it, you know, doesn't look like old Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I would say out of outside of the first two series, which is going to be a lot of what we talk about today, Strange New World has probably been the only other thing that has captured that same kind of energy for me that those two had. Um, I have been a fan thus far since you smartened me up to it. I checked it out and I am a fan so far. You know, they're not, those three are not my only, the only Star Wars or Star Trek. Um, I want you guys to keep a running tally of how many times I mess up and say <laughs> Star Wars. Um, Star Trek, <laughs> they, uh, it's not the only series that I, that I like out of it, but that one, I, th I feel like so far so good. Yeah, I um, well, <laughs> I guess I should wait till we get into the episode because I was going to compare some series, but I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> OK, so cracking into this thing. Yes, we're talking about Star Trek and there's this is one of those topic points that have you could approach this thing from a million different directions. And over time, I am sure we will hit a lot of them, you know, you start with the movies or do you start with the first series or do you whatever for me, this first, uh, I guess, delayed exposure to Star Trek, which we should I should start off by saying I was very late to the Star Trek game. I was I remember growing up and seeing, you know, I would get the I'm going to prove that I am of a certain vintage. I would grab the little pamphlets from the video rental place local to me that had all of the upcoming video releases and things like that. And I would always see the Star Trek Next Generation movies as they were, you know, coming out. And I, I kind of figured that it was something that I would like because I, you know, liked Star Wars and I liked all of the things like Power Rangers and all of that. So it seemed like it was up my alley, but I just... There wasn't, you know, back in the 90s, it wasn't the same kind of I can jump on my favorite streaming service and binge an entire series worth of content in that same kind of way. You kind of had to work for it in order to. So I never really other than the random one off episodes, I didn't really get into it until I was somewhere in my 20s. Yeah, I um, so I have an aunt who I, th I think she occasionally listens. So, uh, Net, if you're listening, thank you. Um, <laughs> when I was little, um. She made me watch. I don't know. Made isn't the right word. She had me watch whenever we visited with them over the summer. They live in Kentucky, which is not close. I think at the time we lived in Florida, so very not close. Um, and she'd have us go through the original Star, Star Wars movie series, which was just my favorite thing ever. 
And then next to it for me as a kid was the original Star Trek movies. The big difference was um, (laughs) she got me hooked on episode on the fourth Star Trek movie, which no one likes but me. (laughs) Um, And I think it was because she said, hey, Josh likes SeaWorld and animals. He'll like this. And she was correct. Um, I was like, oh, I get to see whales and their space. Perfect movie. Um, As a kid, that's all I needed. Um, as an adult, that's still sometimes all, all I need. I'm like, oh, it was good. Um, but afterwards, you know, it was really easy to find Star Wars places. And when you go to the Blockbuster, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm referencing Blockbuster. You could find Star Wars, but it wasn't always easiest to find the old Star Trek movies. Right. And my parents didn't know anything about Star Trek. So I'd be like, hey, I want to see that one with space and fish. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. I want to find the one with space and fish, mom. So it wasn't until much later that I really got to rewatch them on my own. And now that they're on Paramount Plus, I'm like, hey, every now and then I'll just watch. For me, it's the original Star Trek movies like two through at least through four, sometimes through five or six, because I, I I like the later ones. The first one didn't hit with me the same way, but that's just because I'm I want to just jump right in. And the first one's kind of introductory, I feel like. Yeah. So I my, my wife, my brother in law and I. Uh, recently went to an event where they showed uh, the first one, Star Trek, the motion picture uh, on in theaters and it was remastered. And and honestly, as remasters go beautifully done, I'm not always a big fan of remastering. I think sometimes you need to watch it in the vintage where it was created because it just adds to the experience like yes not every single movie is gonna look like endgame and that's okay (laughs) um but with this i really thought it was it was well done from a remastering standpoint and it was just such a cool experience to see this movie that i had seen before on the big screen and then to experience that with people that were seeing it for the first time and getting the very unique experience of having their very first exposure to Star Trek, the motion picture on the big screen. So that was a cool experience, but I, I definitely, so I got into the next generation first and then circled back to the original series. I think most people of our generation did it that way. Um, I'm glad that I did the the original movies first, because for whatever reason, I like Next Generation. But every time I watch it, I'll get like a season in or something and then just forget that I'm watching it because it just doesn't captivate me. Right. And then like a year will go by and I'll be like, wait a minute, weren't you watching that show? And I just that's how I feel about the original. And I, I guess looking at looking at the two against each other, one, I think, is more themed towards the philosophical and the deep thought process and all of those kinds of things. And then the other one is more of like swashbuckling adventure. You know what I mean? Like we, we are, we are out for this episode's big adventure. Whereas the other ones, this, this episode's deep thought or deep concept or something like that. And I, I think a big part of that is simply down to how each one is shot. I feel like in the first one, in the first series, you have a lot more of the uh, exploring different planets outside of the starship sort of shots and things. Whereas with Next Generation, a lot of that takes place within the confines of the Enterprise. Yeah, I um oddly enough, I can't watch the original series. <laughs> I just can't sit through that. The um, it, it's actually. And usually I'm okay. I love old visual effects usually, but that one was just too much for me. I was like, I, this is so bad that it just takes me out of what's happening. Um, now the original series movies, that's where I love, um, that newest strange new worlds. I like it. Um, the, the redone star Trek movies that pissed off some fans. I, I, I pretty much loved those. I understand why it made people mad because they changed the story so much, but I'm like, you know, I'm a comic book reader. I'm very used to multiple dimensions and everything being wacky. And sure, why not? Let's do this. Right. Yeah, that those those movies in of themselves are are part of that, you know, overarching conversation, extended out conversation that we need to have eventually to talk about everything that is Star Trek. But with with the way that you've 
I'll say, I'll say this with the way that you explain and explore all of this stuff up through that point where the movies were taken, you kind of don't have any other choice in the matter, but to kind of rewind and redo these, these first fruits, but from a different perspective that includes the previous stuff, but in a different kind of way that isn't just, you know, where we are retelling shot for shot the original movie, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I'll just have to agree with you for the most part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, have anything to add to that. So, you know, with with Star Trek, regardless of where you start from, there's so much to discuss from a concept level. And especially with these first two series, I think as extensions of, of from one to the other, for me, this is the most complete storytelling out of the Star Trek series. You know, yes, the movies are are designed to be what they are, but Next Generation very much feels like an extension of the original series without the the necessary like crossover per se. And, and you know, I I think a big part of that and is at least through the first half of the next generation comes down to this polarizing figure of Gene Roddenberry. So for those of you that don't know, Gene Roddenberry is the the creator of the Star Trek, Star Trek the Animated Series, and Star Trek Next Generation. Um, he got sick and passed away somewhere around the halfway mark of Next Generation. And so you, most people that you talk to that have watched Next Generation will tell you it's a, it's very much a tale of two halves. You know, there, there is a progression throughout the series where you can tell it became less about high concept and more about flavor of the week. And hmm. the, the thing that I honestly bears to talk about almost as a introductory conversation to the greater world of Star Trek is this is one of those series that has a way of dividing Christians. There's a lot of Christians that are older, like, you know, people with older parents or something along those lines where Star Trek is not cool. Star Wars is fine. Star Trek is not okay because of Gene Roddenberry, and that's kind of what he very, very staunch atheist. So that's none of that's okay. And they don't hide the fact that they the last thing that comes up in a lot of these conversations is religion. It's very much a humanity first sort of approach. And so, A, it's it's really interesting to see how they depict alien life and alien species and these different concepts that are illustrated through alien species and different things like that, as well as the approach that they take to humanity as a whole. And and I think for, for something like this, this is one of those topics, right? You talk about, it's cool, phasers, awesome. Like the, the, the ridiculous uh, kung fu fights and stylings of these different shows, it's ridiculous to, uh, to watch and things like that. But if you're, if you're honestly comparing Star Trek to its contemporaries and where it fits into the greater whole of everything – I really think this is a thinking man show in a lot of regards. And that's not to say I'm not trying to be um, elitist about it. But for this, I think this this really begs to talk about these different conceptual ideas versus being flashy and bombastic and ridiculous and all of those kinds of things. It's just not made that way. This is this is closer to. The stylings of somebody that would appreciate watching Godzilla and you can see the strings, just being honest. So so without that same kind of flashy motif that a Star Wars has, well, what do you fall back on? You fall back on the stories, the characters, the concepts that are within. And so for me, as especially as Christians, especially as Christians that kind of get the gimmick, if you will, about the kingdom of God and the inclusivity of all of that and how we should be treating each other and all of those kinds of things. 
there's so much meat on the bone to talk about the messaging that an atheist is putting forward through this IP that is still so rich in concept that, yeah, this is not, there's treating, treating humanity as humanity is not a dirty concept, even if it is coming from an atheist. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it's really hard because I, I just haven't seen a ton of Next Generation. Um, I remember, oddly enough, I, there's one episode that sticks out in my head where they have like a um, like a VR room, basically. And they went to like some mobster version of New York or something, and they all get stuck in it and it becomes sort of real. And I, I love I love the wackiness. Um, a lot of what you're saying also is why people did not like the newer Star Trek movies that I mentioned earlier. I don't want to get stuck on that, but. It is because, you know, it sacrificed some of that high thinking stuff for, hey, let's be Star Wars and blow things up. Um, also, that's part of why I think a lot of us didn't love the prequels as much as the original Star Wars trilogy. The original did have to rely more on story. Um, and, and when you get to that and you're thinking of the story and the high concepts, this is why I love the original movies. When you go to from Star the second Star Trek all the way through three or four, really, where Spock isn't human, kind of learns to be human, sacrifice himself, comes back, has to learn who he is all over again. And that's the kind of storytelling you can't get outside of this kind of medium that's exploring what is possible out there. And that gets into, um, I, I took a lot of world religion and philosophy classes in college. And a lot of your philosophy is that when you're making an argument, if you can think of something that would be possible, that would make your argument wrong, then it's wrong. And that's a lot of what Star Trek does is, is this possible? Is it possible that someone is born that has, you know, both male and female? Is it possible for this to be? And if that's so, that brings your whole argument into case. And sometimes it really challenges our religious thoughts of this is the way things are. And someone says, okay, but what if it was possible that that's not the way things are? And uh, for religion, pe religious people, sometimes that's an uncomfortable place to be. And that's right. where a lot of the humanity stuff comes in is, what if it's possible that this happens? Or what if it's possible there isn't a God? Or what if it's possible your God's wrong? And it's something that we don't like to think about. And I think that's the kind of things that Star Trek goes to. You take the first movie, for instance, right? I It, it was it was like a love letter to transhumanists. And and for those of you that don't know, there's, there's a, a dozen or so different offshoots of transhumanism. But um, the one that most people are, famili are familiar with is the... Uh, integration of man and machine that the idea here is that that the ultimate sentience is relies on the integration of technology into the carbon-based life form to unlock the keys to immortality and things like that so and and there's a lot of that those kinds of overtones and things i mean more than overtones but at the end but that's a concept of of purpose and all of that that these that this question is asking very overtly what is my purpose what am i here for and and kind of what what makes us human what inherently creates consciousness and all of that and those are questions that you should be asking and and this gets into a much larger conversation about what makes christians uncomfortable but just because an atheist is asking a question doesn't mean that you're wrong. And that's part of why I why I I only hover around the periphery of the the uh philosophical world in the academic sense, like the academically philosophical world. I love to wax poetically, but I'm not going to sit there in a formalized debate because I don't necessarily believe in uh uh if if there is a possibility then that inherently makes the thesis statement wrong. I think a lot of things just kind of get thrown out when you when you go too far down that road. Like good concepts and things, good at least good questions to ask. You know what I mean? And it gets into this whole idea of is do do we serve a God that can handle all of these questions? And and is that wrong to question? And all of these kinds of things. That one simple IP is now starting the ball rolling on asking the questions about. It's important to understand that. Asking questions is not inherently wrong. And exploring these things in and of itself is, is a good thing in the right context, you know? Yeah. And that's something that, um, honestly, science and philosophy are at odds at. And this has nothing to do with Christianity at all. But 
I think eventually Christianity enters into this equation and it's something that Star Trek, I feel like plays around with a good bit because it's somewhere in between science and philosophy a lot of the time or where its themes lie. And what science says is we have this hypothesis and as long as whatever works, we're going to stick to this hypothesis until we can prove it wrong. Uh, You know, like, you know, if we say there is no gravity here and that's why things float. And then later we find out that it's actually there's some wind going up or some other explanation. Then we change our explanation. But we work with what works in science until we have a reason not to. Philosophy does the opposite. We assume everything is wrong until you can prove that it's not. Right. (laughs) And Star Trek kind of meets somewhere in the middle where you have these concepts of if this is possible, then how do we treat people? And then you have the science behind it of we should assume this until there's a reason not to assume this. And Star Trek's trying to find what lies in the middle of those two ways of thinking. And I think that's something Christians have to wrestle with. When we meditate on God and we think about the spiritual things and when we do theology, you know, a lot of times we're thinking about the ways of God and all that, but we know that we can't actually know how God operates. So a lot of it is just, this is what we think. And there lies a point where our theology, our human thinking falls short of what is possible with God. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to come up with something. And I think what I'm trying to say is is there's a good reason to kind of balance those two ideas of working with what you know works and thinking about what could be possible without letting go of everything from either side. Right. And there's there's kind of three levels to this, right? We're talking, there's this, the Spiritual level, repent and turn to God, and he will give you the faith to do what you got to do and and to follow him and all of those kinds of things. The spiritual side of all of that, that supernatural component. Okay, that's that's one. There's the philosophical, theological side, where this is what we can discern from the Bible. This is what we can glean. This is what the... These are the parameters in which we understand the religious script and how we understand God and all of those kinds of things. That's that's a different layer and how and how that affects our the world how we view the world around us and the people around us. And then there's the application layer where those those what we think about the world, what we think about life and God and all of those kinds of things that informs how it is that, for better or for worse, how it is that we interact with the world, interact with people, interact with all of this, and and without overtly going into plus or minus a couple of choice times where they decide to address the idea of what it would be like with a deity or something like that, something like Q from TNG comes to mind, where he can bend the the laws of, of space-time and of matter manipulation and things like that. But um, we are very clearly shown that he is subordinate to something. We are, you know, that that is a relationship that is very clearly shown. So very seldom do we actually get into this idea of an actual deity structure and all of that. But asking those questions are all important. And then take then from our side as Christians, taking that that theological, spiritual side and allowing it to inform how it is that we answer those questions that we're asking is proper execution of the text. I'll just put it out there. You know what I mean? It's it's not, it shouldn't make us uncomfortable to ask, what is consciousness? Can we replicate consciousness? If a thing thinks, if a thing can can put together reasonable thought and reasonable conjecture, does that make it conscious? And and we ask those questions, and some people fall on 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 both sides of that that camp. But that's that's something that we have to be able to at least address in order to have a full on appreciation of what what the Bible's getting at here, what what this whole kingdom of God thing is, and then you add on top of it this whole idea. I keep going back to humanity, right? Because you think you think of of TNG and you think of of Jean Luc Picard and you think of the Enterprise. And then, and, and you see them bounce from from world to world to world, from situation to situation to situation, and it's always this under this idea of the prime directive: don't get involved, 
don't not if you don't have to don't push your own ideas or or affect things that sort of thing like do not affect the natural course of events for humanity even if you mean even if it means that that is is going to spell their destruction and all of that and it's it's this whole that in and of itself is this philosophical conversation and you you see how that if you take out the agenda what does that leave you with in their world? The humanitarian side of, of how do we treat people? How do we treat civilizations? How do we treat different, different groupings? And it's interesting to me at that philosophical level that you see two different executions, right? Obviously, at a practical or at a th- theological level, the two don't mix. As far as not getting involved, as far as not like they they are not, it's not a one for one comparison between looking at something like the kingdom of God and looking at something like Star Trek. But you end up in what should be a similar point of accepting people as they are, waiting until they cause them or waiting until they cause a problem to treat them like a problem. All of those kinds of things that. We need to ask questions about because again, this is coming from an atheist, and he thinks he's getting one up, one up on the on the religious community by having like he has openly said that he 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 does that he did that humanitarian approach because he didn't want to do the spiritual or religious approach, and so what does that say when these two different things are are heading towards that a, a very similar point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I um. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of tough questions and really what it what it comes down to with a lot of the Star Trek is what they're showing and, and this is where I, I want to word this carefully. I don't think he was saying, "Man, I wish religion was like this" or anything like that. No. I don't think that. But I do think when you see things like this and you see the ideas of what smart people imagine the best of the world could be, there's a reason it seems so much like what the kingdom of God is supposed to be. I think deep in all of our hearts is a desire for this thing bigger than what we have. I just don't think it's possible without God. Clearly, he does think it's possible, and that's why he makes this show, and he paints a picture of what it could look like, and I think that should be telling for a lot of Christians. And sometimes the problem is, yes, we have to call sin, sin. And the a lot of the stuff that's brought up here is, well, what if someone was born this way and this race is all born that way? Well, you know what? We're humans. We're all born sinners. That doesn't change anything. It shouldn't change anything for how you think about these things. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm beating around some bushes here, but y- y'all can forgive me. There's too many topics to touch on. But when Star Trek's addressing, you know, race, it addresses um, gender, it addresses sexuality, it addresses I'm just thinking of like all these big themes, um, consciousness, like what you were talking about. What is the limit of logic is something that comes up a lot. And these are things that Christians should be thinking of. And it shouldn't be weird. And I have to go back to the fourth Star Trek movie because that's just my favorite. It's astounding how weird it seems to watch a movie where, oh, the solution is, you know, whales. Yes, that's weird. But when I think about God equipped us, God gave us these gifts and there's a reason we have all these animals on earth to appreciate, to live beside, and humans took advantage of it. Yeah, that's that's 100% true. That falls within what my line of faith and thinking is. And it's odd how strange it was that people from the future came with the ability to heal and the ability to communicate with these animals better. And I'm like, that's we do have the ability to do that. That's not some weird future thing that one day we'll be able to do. We have the ability to do that, and we're choosing not to. There's there's something too when you look at what when you look at the whole idea of what is commonly referred to as miracles right all of that 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 you're talking about that when you get into that supernatural side of things that extra normal side people tend to default to that language of miracles so for all of you theologically sound out there no i'm not about to use miracle in the specific tense I'm using it as it would be used by general media or general culture as kind of a catch-all term. So you have this idea of miracles, and we we struggle with this, but in the Bible, we see very clear instances where unbelief stopped or or hindered the manifestation of a miracle. That's biblical. And if you have an entire culture 
that frowns upon that or or does not believe in that or things like that, uh, yeah, that tracks. That tracks scripturally. Now, when you add in things like um, misunderstandings of what's actually happening or how any of this works, and then you couple that with cultural situations, of course you're going to see a certain kind of climate. And all I'm saying is, as in, in ministry, I have come across a lot of people and had a lot of conversations with people that are not from America, that are people from other parts of the world, remote villages of the world. And they have these ri- ridiculous com- like stories to tell of supernatural experiences. And then you, it's, I think it's somehow easy in the West to forget that the religion that we practice is not a Western one, it is an Eastern one. What is prevalent in all Eastern religions? I'm just saying, even the Bible backs the fact that uh, the fact of the supernatural beyond just just the display of Holy Spirit and Jesus and, and angels and all of those kinds of things. There's th- th- this is a bigger conversation to be had, and so when you see kind of a version of that played out in this in this kind of way and then on top of it you see a deeper connection with creation and all of those kinds that aspect of it as well yeah yeah you look at these kinds of things and i'm not saying everybody in the future is going to be going to suddenly have magical powers or anything like that that's not the point here but but you these these things that that are sci-fi or seemingly outside of the realm of christianity and things like that boil it down there's a reason why all of these different areas of the world have a flood narrative there's a reason why all of these different uh areas have these different stories to tell it's almost like they all came from a singular source yeah, I um. Well, it's the year C.S. Lewis. <laughs> I can only use that excuse till the end of December. Then I'll have to come up with another reason why I'm talking about C.S. Lewis. But whatever. Um, for now, <laughs> he has a book called Miracles, and in it, he he talks about how a lot of people in his time were like, well, they just thought it was miracles because they didn't understand science, they didn't understand what was happening, and he just makes this very duh statement of, no, people saw a man walking on water and understood that wasn't possible. That's still not possible. Like science doesn't just explain that away. And what was interesting is how this ties back to this is Lewis tracks how human reasoning works and how logic works and basically argues that logic shouldn't function unless there was some foundation. And he builds a whole argument of it. And basically uh, logic, the extent to which logic is reliable is to the extent to which humanity is reliable unless something started humanity that's more reliable. And man, I hope that's the case, because if my logic is only as reliable as humans, then um, that's not very reliable. Right. And that's where the the two paths diverge a bit is at that level, kind of the are who is capable of this. And Gene Roddenberry would would present that humans in and of themselves inherently are capable. Uh, Christianity posits that they're not. And obviously, reading the temperature of the room, we would go with Christianity on this one. And and we know that humanity has its limitations because we are sinful creatures and things like that. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, though, because you look at, you know, I might not necessarily believe that we are, you know, three days away from alien invasion or some nonsense. You know what I mean? Like I I have my own particular thoughts on alien civilizations and different things like that. It would still be a requirement of Christians to receive an alien civilization in a very particular kind of way. Uh, I was going to basically say, and that's something that you can learn from philosophy, which is something this show does a lot of. Christians are bad at creating ways of thinking sometimes. And sometimes when we develop our theology, we have to have this philosophy kind of mindset. For for example, too much theology was tied up to, well, the Bible says the earth is flat. So that has to be true because the Bible is literal. And if it's not true, the Bible falls apart. Well, guess what? It turned out that that's not true. What I'm getting at is we have to think when we're developing our ways of theology of, okay, what is possible? Is it possible the earth is not flat? Is it possible that the earth wasn't created 6,000 years ago. Not, 
is it true? Is it not true? We have to think what is possible and how would our theology account for that? And I, I hate to say it, but learning from shows like this and philosophies like this of how to think can help us develop theology better, I think. Or, and the the other side of that coin is sitting in the idea that you're not going to get all of your questions answered. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. look at some of these episodes and they don't have a resolution to them. They're, you're just left to sit in the situation as it was. And, you know, that that to me is one of the more vital parts of what you can learn by developing a logic pattern by way of a show like this. Yeah. And because you that's there's so often that we ask these deep questions and then we approach from an from a standpoint that we're going to end up at a point of resolution for every single one of our points. Let me tell you this. I am at this point in my life bought in sold out. You cannot cannot convince me that there is not a god that there is not that that there was no Jesus or anything like that. But I still that there are tons of questions that I have about consciousness, about uh, space time, about dimensional stuff, all of these things. Like there, there's so many questions that I have about miracles and different things like that, that supernaturally speaking are all valid. But logically speaking, I can't square that circle. There's tons of that that I can't that I can't square, and 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 smarter people than I have been actively trying for decades to square some of those circles and things like that. But we have to be okay with positing a question that we're not going to necessarily get the answer to. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something this show does well. Um, okay, Joe, Joe, uh, there's a little bit of a transition, but but can I can I jump to a can I jump to a punchline of all this? Do it because I'm eager to hear your answer to the punchline question. OK, so so first, let, let me let me put, provide some context. Um, recently, on my other podcast, The Whole Church, we talked to a guy who wrote a whole book about the book of James and the Bible. And, you know, a lot of the themes of James are um, show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. A uh, true religion is this uh, that you provide for the orphans and the widows. Right. James is a very do. James is, I would say, a very human human Natarianism. Wow, that's a weird word kind of book. So my question is, well, two parts. Uh, should Christians be humanitarian? And also, uh, can we work with atheists for the betterment of just humans? So I, I come at this. It's going to sound sound like a little bit of back talk <laughs> r- r- real quick, but but it's going to all make sense. I hope I I have a low I what academically is referred to as a low view of humanity. Um, because I have, I, I fully account for sin and, and all of those kinds of things. Um, that being said though, we see that we are called to be, uh, co-laborers in the kingdom that we are, we are called to be Christ representation. And that, that wording bothers some people and I'm not really sure why, but we, we are called to a representative role. And so to, to quote C.S. Lewis, um, when, when Christians misbehave, it makes Christianity unbelieving or unbelievable to an unbelieving world. And there's truth to that. There's, um, so when, when we compartmentalize, should we be humanitarians? Well, what is a humanitarian? Humanitarian is somebody who works towards the betterment of mankind. Yeah. Yeah, that tracks with the kingdom. That tracks exactly with what we're supposed to be doing. You know, we are we are called to love. We are called to and we can get into the lost in the sauce, man. You know, are we are we for this for this cause or are we for that cause? Do we believe in this? Are we an ally for that? Right? All of the things. But what you're what you're tapping at the root of is do we love everybody? Yes. Do we accept everything that everybody does? No. I will be the first one to admit when it comes to humanity, I've walked my path. I've walked my road and yeah, my road has informed some of my biases against humanitarian humankind as a whole. And my wife who has one of the kindest hearts that I've ever seen in a human being has taught me how to actually love somebody and, and how to actually um, love the sinner, hate the sin if you will, to use that tired trope, 
But at the end of the day, part of what we are called to execute on as kingdom citizens involves helping humanity. And, you know, we can talk about until we're blue in the face, how the execution of that. Okay. That's an entirely different conversation. The starting point is when it comes to helping fellow man. Yeah. Is that the end of the world or is that the end all be all? Is it, are, are people being benefited by our hand? No, we're being, they're being benefited because of the kingdom, because we are an extension of God, understanding all of it in its proper context. Sure. But yes, we should be able to cooperate with others insofar as to come to a common goal and not have to disassociate ourselves just because they don't believe the same thing that we do. That's the thing, right? We have a playbook. We have a, we have a playbook as Christians that we are called to play by. Non-believers don't have that same playbook and we can't expect them to. So yeah, if we're I, still cooperating, it's important to understand and, and, and that that is where you're at. And I think that cooperating becomes a lot more palatable if you understand that you're coming from two vastly different, like literally polar opposite places of the self versus the kingdom and hitting the same point. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I widely agree. I, I think I get very aggravated at um, – Christians who try to make the U.S. laws fit their religion. I'm like, well, not everyone in your country is is Christian. So you kind of have to deal with that to an extent. Um, <laughs> but also, uh, you know, I'm thinking about working together and all that. The Bible is very clear. Some things are good things to do. Loving people, helping people, not stealing is a good thing to do. Um, staying true to your word. And all throughout the Bible, there are people who are outside of God's people who do the right thing by God's people still get blessed by God. We don't know if that means that they ended up being saved or anything. We have no idea what that means. Right. We know that they did the right thing and God blessed them for it. And I think it would be very hypocritical of us to say, well, they did the right thing. Maybe God will bless them, but I don't want anything to do with them. Listen, if people right. are doing the right thing, I don't doing it with them. Shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like when we are called to only God is good. By extension, God's commands are good. By extension, we are doing, quote unquote, the right thing when we do good, that we are, quote unquote, doing good when we do what God commands. That's yeah. the, pa the path that we're taking here. It's not good because humans do it. It's good because God has called us to do it. And that's where I think the, the, the differentiation point kind of happens for the different points of view on this. Because if it's by human hands, then things like uh, race, creed all of those things that that all that all matters if that if it's by human hands there's an open door for that stuff to matter if if that doesn't if 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 it's all by extension of god then suddenly god's the thing that matters and we're all just extensions of that yeah and yeah, and understanding up? that should inform how willing we are to cooperate with one another also I'll say it. This is like a trunk or treat sort of situation. It's not that I have a problem with trunk or treats, but what I have a problem with is when there are situations and the first instinct is to isolate and insulate from outside evils and all of this kind of stuff. You know what? If you don't, if you feel convicted and don't want to celebrate Halloween, I don't care. That's not, that's, that's, I, I only care when it becomes, I, I'm not supposed to do this, so nobody can do this. This automatically means that it's bad for everybody. And I'm going to use this. We're going to do things in our church, and we're only going to do things in our church, and we're not going to outreach during this time, and we're going to isolate ourselves. Um, doesn't have to just be Halloween, but that's just a mm -hmm. that's just a, an example to draw from. When it comes to these things, like if we are obeying God, whether we are obeying God by ourselves or we are obeying God with other people, we are still all obeying God. And if these concepts are good, then let the other people do good, even if they don't understand what's happening. You know what I mean? And, and that gets into the whole thing of morality, right? When you look at what is moral, right? What is a good person? A good person is just somebody who's doing the things that God told them to do. It's not because the person's good. It's because the actions that they're taking are good, because the things that they are doing are good. And and I understand that not everybody philosophically understand or uh, agrees with me on that one. And I'm okay with that. I understand that. But, but the idea is, even by virtue of asking that question, 
you are pushing at the bubble, right? You're pushing at the at the the uh, this bubble of the whole of our existence, this earth and how we operate on it and how we deal with other people. And when you ask those questions and you're willing to ask those questions and you're willing to say, well, what does make what does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to do good? What does it mean to care for humanity? And all of those kinds of things, you start to exercise the muscles of understanding the world that you live in and why you do what you do. Yeah, I um yeah. I agree with all that. I I think that really what we're getting at here is just the simpleness of treat people well. <laughs> Be good to other people. Do the things that the Bible says to do. Um and that that's all what the themes of Star Trek are. Uh, ironically, even though it was created by an atheist, most of the themes in it I feel like are things that Christians should be doing. Of course it pushes limits of questioning things that I think fall into the realm of what is sin and what is not. But, you know, it's supposed to push the limits. That's the point of Star Trek. Um, but there is a verse. We, we, we haven't read verses on here in a little while. But uh, Galatians 3.28 says, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Um, there, You are all one in Christ Jesus. And that to me, without the Christ Jesus part, is exactly what Star Trek is saying. Now, for us, we believe it has to be in Jesus or else it makes no sense. Right. But the point of Star Trek is we are all one. We're going to the farthest edges of the galaxy where no one's gone before and discovering that we are all one. And the question of that is, can you be one without Christ? I don't think so. Should we treat everyone as though they matter? Absolutely. And that's the point here. That's really all we're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's important to remain centered on Christ, but be willing to explore while doing it. Because if you have a firm foundation, then it should not affect how uh, open you are to exploring in a negative way. Because the world that we have, we we are we should be willing to explore and push and push the boundaries as long as long as we're still we're still on the firm foundation. And that gets into this whole idea of. What is morality? Morality is right from wrong. How do we determine what's right from wrong? I fundamentally believe that inherent to every single person is a, 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 a sense of self. And when the sense of self is, is put into action, it will fend for itself. Now, all of that is within a, a law of nature that best works under the guise of what is considered right and wrong. Things go the smoothest when morality is kept by the in in large strokes. Well, where does the morality come from? You know what I mean? Like that's that we're we're we still rely or we still end up at the same destination if we allow ourselves to land at that destination. We just are 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 ex- exercising what these different things would look like in different contexts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to head into the wrap up? Yeah, I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> okay. I think that was a good final word. Yeah. So, on the wrap up here, as we bring this thing in for a landing, you know, this has been so much fun to to talk about and and to just um scratch the surface in a lot of regards when it comes to discussing everything that there is about Star Trek, but we set the table here as a palette wetter for what this world looks like and, if you will, what is possible with exploring these different concepts and these different questions and things like that. So as my recommendation, as we end this thing, my recommendation is that you allow yourself the freedom because God allows uh, us this freedom. So allow yourself the freedom to explore a bit, to push the boundaries. Let's you know, go ahead and, and, and thoughtfully and prayerfully dive in. I would say, honestly, you can start in one of three places as far as Star Trek goes. Start at the original, uh, at the beginning of the original series. Start at the beginning of the original set of movies or start at the beginning of um, TNG, the next generation. Um, I understand I left off. There's, there's decades of Star Trek that I did not even touch with talking about this. But if we're talking about this core set, I wouldn't start with the, with the, the TNG movies because those kind of rely on you understanding what's happening 
from the show. Um, whereas I, I don't think the original movies do that as much. They reference it very briefly in the first one. And, and you know, that's kind of it as they bring the band back together, so to speak. So any of those three spots, just, just dive in. And as these different questions pop up, you know, pray about it, talk to God about it, ask the questions if you need to ask the questions and then do so in a way that you're able to earnestly seek after the answers, you know, um, really before you, you kingdom of God, I was like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll redo this. So you can earnestly go after the kingdom of God. <laughs> I, uh, for my recommendation, I'm going to recommend something that's been recommended to me. I haven't seen this yet and I'm still going to recommend it. So here we go. Um, I, as I've mentioned, have a hard time getting drawn into the next generation in that show. Not because I don't like it. It's just something that always falls by my side. I am told that Deep Space Nine would be something I really enjoy that would captivate me because of some of the more religious themes of that. That is another Star Trek series. Um, so I'm going to recommend you guys uh, start this with me. I'm going to go ahead and try to start Deep Space Nine after I've seen every episode of Strange New World three times each because, you know, two was not enough. It was it's just so much fun for me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, Joe, uh, did you have any place you wanted to write where they could go and follow you and see what all you've been up to? Uh, yeah, if you want to hear more um, talking about the kingdom, talking about all of these kinds of things, you can find me live on the air six out of the seven days a week. Facebook.com slash buddy walk with Jesus or Facebook.com slash systematic ecology. Um, you can also find me anywhere you find podcasts at buddy walk with Jesus. Yeah. And um, again, I'm Joshua Knoll. Uh, you just look up the whole church podcast wherever you're listening now or just you could find our little Captivate website. It's kind of cool, I guess. So, guys, um, that's going to be a wrap. Uh, if you want to reach out to us and let us know what we should be geeking out on or just to let us know what you're geeking out on, you can go to systematicgeekology.org, like I already said. And, uh, guys, do, do us a big favor. This is really important to us that uh, you remember that we're all a chosen people. Even you. You are a chosen person, listener. A geekdom of priest. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.